everybody. Welcome to 2ZQ Hot Takes, where we discuss issues both big and small. I am your host, the very handsome Tim Kirk, and today I'll be talking about LGBTQ and the paranormal, tarot, astrology, ghosts, and psychics. Man, oh man, do the gays love the paranormal. So much of our culture, reading, and viewing habits center around vampires, zombies, ghosts, and paranormal in general that we incorporate a lot of it into our day-to-day -day lives. Even family films like Paranorman have a great big hunky gay boy smack dab in the storylines. We have had and do have gay ghost hunters, and there is a queer ghost hunters channel on YouTube, and they hunt for queer ghosts. There's Queer Paranormal, whose webpage byline reads, Welcome to the weird queer world of the paranormal and unexplained. And this is not to forget the Wiccan queers, the occultists, the witches, warlocks, and spiritualists, including Tyler, the Beverly Hills medium, who does a fairly good cold reading. Speaking of queers and cold reading, Tyrone Power in 1947's Nightmare Alley put this stuff on display for mass audiences. And Tyrone was one of us, bisexual, as the apocryphal stories go. But we stayed at the Willows in Provincetown, which I don't think is there anymore, in his cabin, as the story goes. So... It has been reinforced over the decades. I would imagine that there is a reason comic books and movies like the X-Men with queer storylines, Star Trek, which has become somewhat of an informal religion, like Doctor Who and Star Wars, because it has supernatural elements that don't require anything of the viewers except passive acceptance of elements that do not have any basis in the real world. And I think that is pleasing to many. And of course, Harry Potter which has been and is under attack from some sectors of the populace for nonsensical reasoning. And a lot of the appeal also comes from cosplay, one might think. Dressing up as fictional characters with special abilities and powers beyond mere mortals has a familiar ring to it. Now, we know that quite a lot of fundamentalists rail and crusade against us. Pat Robertson has claimed that lesbians sacrifice babies on satanic altars. Oh, come on now. It's true, though, that he has made that and similar statements. And there's something about same-sex attraction and activity that boils the blood of those concerned with the hereafter. This isn't anything new. It's not just true blood and twilight, although they are pretty sexy. This has traceable roots that go back to Victorian England and long before that as well. In late Victorian sexuality and spiritualism, the place of the paranormal and queer erotic partnerships, Sharon E. Kelly prefaces the entire dissertation with, this dissertation argues that the fiend-to-seek navigations of emerging categories of sexual identity were partially expressed in literary representations of supernatural connections, transformations, events, and practices. Hmm. Fiend-to-seek interest in spiritualism and the supernatural is thus a main area of study for the entire project and also requires historicizing. Interest in scientific inquiry and materialism boomed during and after the Industrial Revolution and Darwin's theory of evolution, which began circulating in the 1860s, put pressure on the preeminence of religious institutions and their ability to describe or define man's place in the world. But Robert F. Geary explains that for Victorians, the enlightened world of science, despite its contrary claims, offers an incomplete picture of reality. There is another realm, perhaps higher, 
certainly more encompassing, maybe more terrifying, but not restricted to the prevailing confines of what passes for truth. As science emerged as a dominant field in the 19th century, ever refining itself against the unexplainable, many people sensed that something was missing. Although common knowledge of the time claims that the Victorians in general went through a mass secularization, more recently the shift away from Christianity has been reframed in a scholarship as a shift towards a wide assortment of alternatives. The other realm of spiritual alternatives described is set apart from our realm by contrast. It is only by looking at what is supernatural that we understand what is meant by the natural, or as Geary puts it, the true. These alternative spiritual experiences and approaches to the supernatural explain the ways that Victorians thought about gods, the afterlife, and perhaps most importantly, their own place in the world. The paper goes on to say, like the heterogeneous spiritualist movements and communities described, there are many terms and classifications that can be applied to sexual identity. The solidification of the homosexual-heterosexual binary shortly after the fin de siècle led to the stagnation of viable sexual identity options for much of the 20th century. How about that? And on the other side of the Atlantic, on the other side of this continent, a scholar named Rob Hernandez wrote, Straight Talk, Queer Haunt, The Paranormal Activity of the Chicano Art Movement. So it's not just limited to the British or Anglophile Americans. And if you go to Tumblr, you can see animated GIFs from films where naked lesbians practicing witchcraft levitate themselves in fireside rituals in the woods. Are we all the pawns of Satan? Hmm? Hmm? Mia Farrow did have that butch little short haircut in Rosemary's Baby, and that was in 1968. The Hunger also depicted those who are pansexual, polymorphously perverse, bisexual, etc. Queers. Which leads me to say, psychological manipulation is not that hard. People love to be flattered, whether they recognize it or not. When it comes to things that have nothing to do with their day-to-day -day lives, people love to imagine that they have access to something that's better or more powerful or reassuring. In college, I had a great psychology 101 teacher who had the entire class do a personality profile, and they all turned out to be flattering. She then told us they were designed to flatter us, that we cherry-picked the words we like and disregard the rest. I used the same psychology while managing a website for a well-known wine company. I took that website from not being indexed to Google PageRank number five in six months, if that is still relevant at all. I poured on the meta tags to describe each wine, knowing that people interested in the wine would see only the terms they felt complemented their tastes and ignored that which wasn't relevant to their frame of mind. We do it all the time. We need filters to make our way through a day-to-day -day life. And then when it comes to things like tarot cards, People love to think that they know something or it means something to them. When you read your horoscope for the day and it tells you something great is going to happen, it might give you a little boost. But if you don't like it, you tend to dismiss things that don't seem to flatter you or tell you what you want. We dismiss out of hand bad tarot cards because we don't like it. But go ooh and ah when we get the death card the star, the world, and or the chariot, because they are omens of change for the better. But the tower? Yeah. 
well, what do I know? As Shakespeare wrote, there are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, than are dreamt of in your philosophy. Hamlet, Act 1, Scene 5. Thanks for listening. See you next time, and as the kitties say, peace out. Thank you.